Welcome to the Aspen Chapel podcast with Nicholas and Heather Vesey. Bit of a family affair. We've got Heather reading. We've got Jessica doing Sunday school downstairs. We've got Samuel here in the van. <laughs> All the same. We have my, my mother will be here soon doing her bits as well. Anyway, um, just to say, this is the second in a series that I'm doing on the nature of being. Um, and last week... Uh, we talked about the idea that, in essence, our sole purpose in life is to consciously live through our experience of being. That's really our purpose in life, to to be really conscious of living. Um, And what is asked of us is to donate our being to be used by God in the unfolding of creation that we offer ourselves individually as living sacrifices made holy by giving ourselves over to that ground of all being, which is another word, or shall I say four words, ground of all being, uh, for God. Um, And that by giving ourselves over, we join with the love that's at the centre of all things and express that love through ourselves in creation. And last week I handed out being donor cards uh, that you can fill in to exp- express your assent to the process. Remembering that uh, Thomas, Merton, Thomas Merton describes faith as intellectual assent. And filling in that card is a moment of intellectual assent to the process. A moment to say, yes, I'm giving my life up to the unfolding of creation. And if you missed that last week, there are some being donor cards still at the back of the the church, just in the hall there. Um, So in looking at being, we have that description of God as the ground of all being. It's a phrase that Paul Tillich, who's the, uh, the Christian existential philosopher, came up with. And that phrase, the ground of all being, suggests the idea that the divine nature is, in fact, foundational to all being. And therefore, we're only truly at home as individuals when we root our being in the greater being that contains all. So there's that ground of all being, and we're really at home when we root our own being in that greater being that contains all. It's like the idea which says that we experience our lives as waves on the ocean. Our lives are like waves on the ocean. But the truth only comes to us when we realize that as waves, we are part of the greater ocean. And the ocean is expressing itself as the wave through us. We tend to think ourselves as being separate or being Nicholas or Tracy or or Carolyn. When in reality, we are only really truly ourselves when we express ourselves as a part of the ground of all being that contains and connects all things. So how do we ground ourselves to be part of that greater whole Uh, that invites us to be a part of? What is it that allows ourselves to be expressed as something greater as opposed to just 
making it up as we go along and hoping for the best. Well, I think the first step in, in grounding ourselves in that way is obviously to make that decision to be part of something greater. We have to make the decision. That was the idea of the being donor card. It's the giving of the intellectual assent to the idea that we do want to be a part of that. But in order to do that, we have to understand that we do have a choice. We have to go through all those ideas, you know, is all this random? Is there a God? Is the God in the sky? Who am I in all that? I mean, all those questions, you know, that religiously and spiritually you have to ask, that whole process, which leads us to the understanding that there is an order in the universe, and that order is loving, and that we can be a part of that if we so choose. That's the beginning point of this. And most of us here have been through that arc of thinking, you know, is it all random, is God in the sky, that sort of stuff. And we've come to the idea, I think most of us, that the universe is a unified whole, of which we are a part, like the ocean and the wave, and that we can choose to work with that whole rather than just go for our own selfish desires. We can choose to do that. And that brings us to the being donor card, the decision to give ourselves up for that greater good. That's the moment of intellectual ascent, the moment where we step out in faith. And you know, that, that moment appears in all religions. You know, you know evangelical Christians, you know, Bible-believing Christians, will ask you whether or not you've given your life to the Lord. Have you given your life to the Lord? An evangelical Christian will ask you. And actually, that's the same question, really. I mean, you have to go through all the ramifications, but they're asking you that same question. You know, are you grounded in, in the ground of all being? You know, the Tao Te Ching says, um, the way, the great way is easy, yet people prefer side paths. Be aware when things are out of balance, Say, stay centered in the Tao. That's the centering, again, in the great uh, Tao, in the ground of all being. And that famous story that Heather read from the Upanishads, you know, like two birds of golden plumage, inseparable companions, the individual self and the immortal self are perched on the branches of the self-same tree. The former tastes of the sweet and bitter fruits of the tree, the latter ta tasting of neither calmly observe. The individual self, deluded by forgetfulness of his identity with the divine self, bewildered by his ego, grieves and is sad. But when he recognizes the worshipful Lord, the ground of all being, the true self, and beholds his glory, he grieves no more. Seeing him present in all, the wise man humbles himself, puts himself not forward. His delight is in the self, his joy is in the self, he serves the Lord in all. So you've got that similar situation in all those religions where there's that grounding in that basic, bigger self, ground of all being, whatever it is. That, that is the essence of the journey. The idea of living in and for the divine self 
the idea of living in pure being. That's the first step is the decision to do that. And the second step is to allow yourself to be shown the way. Zen master Dojin, the 13th century Zen master says, when you leave the way to the way, you attain the way. When you leave the way to the way, you attain the way. You make your decision and then you give up to the way to show you. When you leave your way to the way. In other words, when you don't make decisions about what you've got to do, when you allow that ground of all being to show you what to do in your life, then you find the way. And for that to happen, you have to be sensitive to what you're being asked to, to do. What, what is that, what is the universe, what is, what is that which is at the center of all things asking you to do in your life? There's no point in donating your being and then going off to the par to party for the next week thinking that, yeah, that, I've done it now, that's all fine. You have to be sensitive, I, I love that phrase, Life's longing for itself. Life's longing for itself is both the grand well-being longing for us to participate and for the longing within us to be a part of that grand well-being. Life's longing for itself. We have to be sensitive to life longings for itself. How is the long longing that the grand well-being has for you manifested in your life? Whether we like it or not, we're all being called to be part of that ground of all being. That calling has brought us to the point of donating our being. And that same calling will take you to the next stage. And you know, it really could be anything. You know, an action, a practice, a book, a person, a lifestyle. At each moment... The calling is there if you listen for it. You know, my calling has gradually taken me deeper into the practice of meditation to experience the, to the experience of pure being that comes out of that practice. But your calling might take you elsewhere. And if you're true to the idea of giving yourself over to being a part of that great oneness that contains all, then you'll listen as to how to do it. Because to be is really to express the isness of who each of us are within the greater whole. To be is really to express the isness that each of us are within the greater whole. The isness of who we are in a rock band or in the high school band will be actually different to the isness of who we are as part of the lacrosse team. It's also different from the isness of who we are as a part of our own family. Our isness, our beingness, is actually determined by that which we identify with. And the greatest isness, the greatest beingness, is to identify within ourselves as part of the ground of all being.
So as we identify not as the wave, but as the ocean, so the way that we express ourselves will change. Even the isness of ourselves as being a Christian, or whatever religion, is not enough. It will affect our isness in a certain way, and you can see the problems that causes as religions fight among themselves, and people within religions fight among themselves. But it'll not have us identify with the ocean that includes all things. That bird that recognizes the worshipful Lord as his own true self and beholds his glory. It's that level of isness that we are aspiring to here. And that isness is not expressed by the mind, which always wants to be separate so it survives, but it's expressed by the heart, which is naturally connected to all and does not seek its own survival, but identifies with the whole. In the journey to see the way by which we're being led, we have to use our hearts as our compass, feeling our way through situations led by courage, the courage, the heartage that is within us, the heartage, the courage that's within us, which is why you, we use practice to develop the heart. It may not be the way of all, but it is a way that's often given. It may be that you develop your heart senses by walking in the mountains or by being in nature or letting go of the mind that way. Some people use art, painting, pottery, music making, filmmaking, and they become engrossed, so engrossed that their hearts lead them rather than their minds. We get lost in music, which is really means that our minds let go and our hearts take over. In each case, there's a very special quality of being that emerges, one that's not conceived by the mind, but comes through giving up to surrounding. We become one with the activity that we're participating in, and therefore we express the purity of being unsullied by the mind. And the bigger the context, the greater the purity of being. A sportsman might express her purity of being through the pursuit of a gold medal. And, you know, she may give up to the gold medal. She may be really in her being. She may roar down that track and, and be being at the purest level. But when she's got the gold medal or not, that's the end of it. It's, it, the context is the arrival at the gold medal. An artist is painting, but once finished, so to some extent does the expression of being. Even the genius, you know, even Einstein said, you know, who said, I never came upon any of my discoveries through the process of rational thinking. He has science as the end point of his being. But to give yourself to the ground of, of all being for the sake of love, and for the sake of love alone, is the greatest context 
that's, that we can aspire to. It's an ongoing, moment-by-moment commitment that includes all actions, all people, all circumstances. It is a way of life committed to being of service. As in that prayer from Thomas Merton that I used last week, a part of that says, I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope that I have the desire in all that I'm doing. I hope that I'll never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. You'll lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. That is, if you give up to the way, the way will become the way. That is the idea that we just give up to that being. That's leaving the way to the way and therefore attaining the way. We're led into that way from where we are now. But often, you know, we don't like that. That old story of the farmer who was asked the way to the big city by a traveller. And the farmer replies, if I were going to the big city, I'd not want to be starting from here. And we often think of that in our lives. If we're going for true being, you know, we wouldn't really be wanting to start with this sort of shambliness that we are in our own life. We often don't like where we're starting from, our age, our disposition, our circumstances. They don't seem to lend themselves to the great path, which is why practice helps. A sailor once complained that his boat was going nowhere, and his companion said to him, it would help if you put up the sails. The sails catch the wind, and then we have progress. Spiritual practice catches the wind of that ground of all being and enables us to navigate our way on the path. It's done within the greatest possible context and contains the mechanics that write us and it enables us to stay on the path. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of music now. I'm going to reset up the room a little bit while I'm uh, having the while we're having the music, uh, and then I'm going to talk a little bit more about practice after that. So, so I've got my um, magic tricks out here, and I, I want to talk a little bit about that whole idea of how in meditation we express that ground of all being and how we, 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 we sort of go into it, that allow our minds to drop away, and that our hearts are then are grounded in that ground of all being. And that what happens then is that because our, hearts, our minds aren't involved, that portal opens up that allows the aliveness sort of to come through us. And, you know, I'm just going to give you a little bit about how I think of it. Um, and you can either, you, you know, throw it away or not. And I'm going to talk about the breath. I know some of you work on mantras and all that sort of business. But I'm just going to talk a bit about the breath. And my, my problem is always in meditation is that I'm always thinking about something else. You know, I'm, I'm doing my meditation. I'm really, I'm thinking about Columbo and, you know, some episode or Homeland or, or something, you know, a recipe. Or I'm, I'm worrying about, you know, housing or whatever it is in my mind. So over the years, I've really had to be clear and develop some techniques that really don't allow me to do that. And the first thing I do in meditation is I make a decision 
that I'm not going to miss a single breath. That if I'm following my breath, I make a firm decision that there is no breath that I'm going to miss. That I'm going to be staying with that breath all the way through the process. And I, I stay do it for half an hour. And I'm going to be staying with it all the way through. And I, I will find that my mind will come in. I do a sort of circular breath like this. I'll find my mind will come in, but I, I can then just measure the fact that I've still stayed with the breath. I immediately come back to it. And the way that I, I tend to do that is I tend to imagine a circular motion. And my, when I breathe in, I imagine myself breathing in all the way up, all the way down, then breathing out. And I just follow that circular motion all the way through and keep that following it. Now, I can see teachers amongst us, so I do apologize for my, the way that I'm going to be doing this. But I'm not very good at drawing, um, but I'm just going to give you a picture embarrassed son over there. I'm going to give you a picture. Uh, uh, I'm going to give you a picture as to how I actually see it working in terms of meditation. Now, this is supposed to be, there's, there's, there's me, right? And here is the breath. This is the breath here. And notice that the breath goes, when you breathe in, you're in the inner world. This is the inner world here. And as you breathe out, you breathe out into the outer world. So actually, you can see straight away that what, that what breath is about is, is the inner and the outer. And this is our inner experience sort of thing. And, and as we breathe in, we breathe in the outer world, into our inner experience, and then we breathe out again. So what happens is that we are consciously in just following the breath. We go, we follow it up. We follow it out. And by creating that, this circular movement, we're actually creating a centering on the inner world and the outer world. We bring the two together. It's brought together by the fact that we're concentrating both on the inner and on the outer world. And my perception of this is by doing this, it stills the mind and it opens up that portal of love that is within us. And actually, we are able to truly be. And the idea of, of circular motion creating stillness is it's an obvious thing when you think about it. I've got a gyroscope here. Now, this gyroscope really this, it won't, won't stay upright or fall over. This, this is where I fail or not. But if I take the gyroscope and put it on here, it basically has its own gravity and it will stay in that, that place because of the movement that is going on. It is held in that place. And you can see it's almost like the movement of the planets, the way that we're held around it. And the idea of the inner and the outer has the same sort of perspective. It creates a stillness within us. It, oh, before this falls over, I'll stop it. It creates a stillness within us that allows that being to come through because we're not focused or concentrating on anything else except that circular motion, the circular motion that's taking the inner and the outer. And by doing that, a sense of pure being comes about. And in that sense of pure being, it allows that love to come through. So, just to, to give you a sense of it, so when I'm doing this, that I'm, I'm focusing on the breath coming in, 
and then out. And because it's so slow, I can actually keep my mind on it. And I'm creating this circular motion that is a circular motion of pure being. That is the nature of meditation. It is creating that stillness at the center of all that links the inner world and the outer world and opens that portal. Now, I'm going to just give us an opportunity to just try this out in a moment. You'll be uh, terrified here. But has anyone got any questions at all? You just put your hand up. Um, and I will repeat them just for those watching online. I'm afraid online you can't ask. If you were here, you would be able to ask questions, but uh, you are in your pyjamas at home with your cup of coffee, but uh, do come and hear with all of us. Anybody? Yes, Heather, what, what's your question? Uh, I, it's, it's an well, there's an observation that you're... Um, the yeah, I'm going to get you a microphone. Matt, if you could just turn the microphone on. This is longer than that. I can. I'm going to hold the microphone for COVID reasons. Here we are. It's just interesting to me to see where you put the red circle. Is that where, how you visualise it? Because I, I, because the way you were talking was like the, the red circle was coming down more into your body. Yes, and it, I just think that's like it's an interesting, subtle difference. Yes, I think the circle does come down. Into, I, I'm afraid my drawing is not very good. When I'm actually visualising, it does come right down into my body and out again like that. It comes, it comes right the way through my body. Uh, and so it contains my body and, and all that sort of business. Yes, it does. That's absolutely right. Thank you. Any other questions or any observations before we have a... No, Bruce, here we are. The, uh, as you practice this, you know, sort of uh, neuroplasticity, are you changing the, the sort of the strength or dimensions of your brain? I mean, do you find that, because you've been doing it for so long, you can do it longer and longer and more and more effortlessly without even really, you know, it becomes un unconsciously competent as far as, it's like, you know, doing reps in the gym or something. Yes. I think, I think I'd want to say two things about that. I'd say, in terms of my practice, it's taken me a while to get to this, where, where I now know that I don't miss a single, I mean, obviously, if, the, if, if something happens, like, I get a knock on the door from downstairs, say, excuse me, with the lavatory's blocked. Unfortunately, then I do have to let go and, uh, you know, things like that. I, I do find that, um, you know, I have developed into this. But it's interesting, while I'm doing it, I'm not looking for any particular result. I'm looking to get out of the way completely. So I'm not even looking for my life to be different or for my mind to be different. I'm just looking to totally get out of the way and allow myself just to be a part of that ground of all being without any expectation of return. And so that is the essence of the loving nature of doing it, if that makes sense. I, I do find that, that I am become, you know, proficient in, in not missing a single breath. And some days are better than others. Depends on, you know, sometimes, you know, it'll be like, breathe, 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 worry, worry, breathe, 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 television, television, breathe, breathe. But, you know, I don't miss a single breath, but to some, sometimes it's, but some days are better than others. Anybody else? Okay, so should we, should we have a quick go of this and see, see what... Um, uh, what, what to do? So I'm just gonna, I just wanted you to have a, just a bit of a practice at it. So, so if you just maybe close your eyes, and um, it's going to be more difficult because with me with me rabbiting on, your mind is 
is going to be connected to that as well. But, you know, just to give you an idea. So when you breathe in, just imagine that circle coming up through your body to your head and you're breathing out and the circle is coming down in the outer world and then breathing in and breathing out. And interestingly enough, I think the slower you do it and the deeper you do it, it's easier. And, some, and then you just let go sometimes and you just find yourself breathing at a certain, a certain pace. First of all, that's, there's that decision to not miss a breath. It's very important, I think, the decision. And then the following of the breath. Breathing in. Breathing out. And then just carrying on in that circular way. Just following the circle in your mind's eye. Okay, we'll leave it there. And that's, that is creating that stillness of the gyroscope. It is opening that portal. You don't know what it's doing. I'm going to talk next week a bit, a bit, a bit more about you know, how, what that creates in life. But in, in opening your beingness, you don't know the result of it. But you're, you're allowing that yourself to become a vehicle, a portal for love. And I think that will affect the way that you live your life and the way that things happen. It's, it's, it's discovering the path. Any, any other little questions or anything? Yes, yeah, so let me just come over to you, Don, so that uh, you don't have to. I think this is probably the easiest way to do it. Thank you, Don. So uh, in meditation, I usually use a mantra. Yeah. What, what is your thought on that? Like I'll use so hum, <laughs> so in... Out. Yes, I, I, I'm not experienced at using a mantra, but I do know that, um, that you know that following the mantra is equivalent to following the breath in that it is the point of focus, and that you're keeping yourself on that point of focus throughout. If you say, um, uh, "What's the mantra for the Christian meditation study?" Um, Maranatha. Maranatha. You know, Maranatha. You know, that's, that's the Christian meditation mantra. Maranatha. Now, I think it is still possible to, to visualize uh, an inner and outer in using the, the mantra, but you're not necessarily following your breath. You could actually just use it with that. I, I'm not experienced with mantras myself, but I think that concept of the inner and the outer world, that concept of opening the portal, that concept of the mind being out of the, of the way, it is pretty still essential. I mean, do you have any, any wisdom for yourself as to how you think it links the inner and the outer? Um, not really. It just 
you know, it's a good rhythm for it's me. A good, it, yes. It's a good way for me to stay focused on the, the meditation. I think that's an interesting word, rhythm. Rhythm is an interesting word because rhythm does, does actually allow that, 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 that going onness to happen. And I do find sometimes I rock. Not, not I rock. <laughs> I sometimes I literally rock on my stool <laughs> with that uh, and allow that. And I think rhythm is an important thing. And you're really in the rhythm of the ground of all being. You're, there's a vibration. You're in that rhythm. And uh, just to remind you why we're talking about this, we're talking about the nature of being. And we're talking about how to express pure being. And this is its only practice. But it is, it's, I think it's always worth saying that practice is as real as anything else. You can't differentiate between practice and eating a meal or practice and anything else because it's just another part of your life. It's just as real as anything else that's going on. And you're just focusing on that as a, an emphasis, like with osmosis, that, uh, that in practicing on that, grand, that beingness, it will come out in your life a bit more. So that's my, my teacher skills, as I, you know, I do apologize for all of that. Um, and now we've got to, we, before we do that, we have, we, I must remember to, to, to mention the offertory. We do have an offertory here. Um, um, so if you'd like to come out and put uh, uh, your money in the plate, we'd really appreciate it. I'd just like to finally close the, 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 the door on gift day. Say thank you so much for everybody that gave. You know, our goal was $35,000. We raised $34,000, which is pretty much there or thereabouts. And I think it's an amazing amount of money to raise. I'm so grateful for everybody. You'll be hearing from me. Everybody that made a contribution, uh, thank you so much uh, for doing that. It meant the world to me that you, you did that. And we were, you know, were totally within the area that we were going for. Thanks for listening. If you feel moved to make a donation to the chapel, please go to aspenchapel.org. Thank you. And if you'd like to receive these podcasts regularly, subscribe to the Aspen Chapel through Apple, Google Play, YouTube, or any other outlet.